You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. All right, what up? What's going on? We're back. Happy New Year. Episode 16 of the Wide Right Podcast, presented by Elite Sports New York and the Elite Sports Radio Network. As always, I am your host, Ryan Honey. Hope everyone had a good holiday. Hope everyone relaxed, spent time with family, friends, do whatever you needed to do. Um, So final episode, final episode of the 2019 regular season. Not the final episode of all time, no, definitely not. But the last episode of the regular season, the Giants capped off their another abysmal lost season with a 34 to 17 loss to the Eagles. So they've now lost to the Eagles, I believe, seven straight times. Yeah, seven straight times they've lost to the Eagles, um, which is obviously horrific. So we'll get into that game. We'll recap that, talk about what went wrong. Um, and then go into discussing the big news in the, for the Giants this past week, which was the firing of Pat Shermer. Uh, talk about that, and then we'll also talk about why they decided to retain general manager Dave Gettleman, which everyone is saying is a wild move. Um, I sort of agree. I, I, I don't. So I very much do agree. Um, but. If he doesn't produce results this year, this is going to be his last year. This is a do-or-die situation for Dave Gettleman uh, this upcoming 2020 season. Um, but, I, yeah, I do believe it's a wild move right now, but we'll get into that. So want to start. So Giants lost 34-17, to final game of the year um, at MetLife Stadium. I actually went my first game going to since 2014. Um so they lost, ended the year with a 4-12 and record, uh, one game worse than last year. 2018, they finished 5-11. and So obviously not a step in the right direction at all. Um, many thought they would go 3-13, 2017, 5-11, 2018. So many thought they would end up, you know, close to 8-8, eight and eight, maybe 9-7 and seven if they were lucky uh, this year. But that obviously wasn't the case. Um, and despite this game being close, this is the thing. With when the Giants play Dallas or when they play Philly, even if it's close to a certain extent, the vibe is always that they're not going to win this game. The Giants aren't. The vibe is always that the opposing team is going to come away with the, come away with the win somehow or in some way. There's never a feeling like oh the Giants could win this game. And that was the same thing what happened this time around. It was close for the majority of the game into the second half. It went from being tied at 17 in the third quarter to the Eagles were up 27-17 to with the snap of a finger. Field goal, Daniel Jones fumble, they recovered it at the two-yard line or whatever, and all of a sudden, Boston Scott ran it in. The first play of the drive. So it was... It went from being tied at 17. People thought, oh, could the Giants win this game? If you were smart, you didn't think that. And the Eagles are up by 10 within minutes. So, but 
If you look at the numbers, though, the Giants were evenly matched all game with the Eagles in some categories, but still, they couldn't compete in certain areas. And it was much of the same. It was much of the same, many of the same certain areas that they couldn't compete in. Carson Wentz picked apart this Giants secondary, had almost 300 yards, 289 to be exact. He knew to pick apart this young secondary, um, who struggled mightily all year. Boston Scott, who was on the practice squad at one point, had three rushing touchdowns. Once again, the Giants couldn't cover a tight end. Even with Zach Ertz hurt, they couldn't cover a tight end. Josh Perkins, who's their third tight end, was their leading receiver. Four catches, 50 yards, a touchdown. Offensive line was terrible. Loud four sacks. I mean, it's, it's many of the same areas that they struggled in all year. They continue to struggle in. There was no progress made in any single one of these areas or categories. Now, now the, the offensive line finished this year with 43 allowed sacks, which is not great. That was good for 19th in the league. They did allow 47 last year. So there was an improvement by four allowed sacks, obviously. But that isn't much better when you consider all the moves that were made and all the money that's been spent. You know, they re-signed John Jalapio. They re-signed the backup center, Spencer Pulley. They brought in, they traded for Kevin Zeitler. Uh, they signed Mike Remmers. Even going back almost two years ago, they gave Nate Solder a record-breaking deal at the time. So when you spend all that money and you make all these moves to improve the offensive line, and they only allow four fewer sacks than they did the previous year, it's not, it's not that great of an improvement. It really isn't. It's not really, you know, all these moves didn't really lead to much. It's not like this was a top offensive line. I've said this before. They looked like a better offensive line because now they're blocking for a quarterback who can actually move and get outside the pocket. When you block for Eli Manning, you have to be perfect because he can't move really. But for Daniel Jones, he could bail you out more times than Eli would. So you don't look as bad. But this offensive line still was very much not a great offensive line. Oh, and a problem with the Giants in this game, they lost a turnover battle. Eagles forced two turnovers. Daniel Jones threw a pick and he fumbled the ball. Um, and that was a big, those were big turnovers. Because that, that, that fumble is what, the Eagles were up by three already. Up by three points. They, they recovered the fumble at the two. And then they're all of a sudden they were up by ten. So that's what, turnovers can change a game. And that's exactly what they, that's exactly what happened. This past Sunday. It was kind of embarrassing to be at the game, to be honest with you. It was a, as, as a Giant fan, it was embarrassing to be at the game. I was, I was happy to go to the game. I, it, was, it was fun. But the whole, like, if you look at the fans and it was the, the ratio from Eagles fan to Giants fan was 6 to 1. The amount of E-A-G. I, I heard that all game. Hardly heard any Let's Go Giants chants. I've never heard an opposing team's chant that much in MetLife Stadium. It was crazy. It was, it was like an Eagles home game. It was basically an Eagles home game. I blame everyone. From ownership to general manager to the general manager to coaching. But... That's why 
the coaching staff is getting revamped. And it starts with the firing of Pat <clears throat> Excuse me, Pat Shermer. Starts with the firing of Shermer. It had to be done. The move had to be made. It's a results-driven business, and Shermer did not produce great results at all, to say the least. Four win- um, nine wins in two years. They regressed. Five wins and then four wins. So nine wins in two years. They were 23rd this year. They're, yeah, tw- this year, their offense was 23rd in the league with 308, 338.5 total yards per game. Last year, they were only 17th, 356.1 total yards per game. This year, they were 18th in passing, 233.2 yards per game. So the so-called offensive guru, which I hate that term because it barely means anything. It's barely, it's, it's hardly true. This quote-unquote offensive guru didn't exactly do the best job at fixing the offensive problems that Ben McAdoo introduced. I mean, this guy was brought in two years ago after an abysmal 3-13 season in 2017. He was a great offensive coordinator with the Vikings who had Case Keenum as their quarterback for the majority of the year. Made it to the NFC Conference Championship. And he couldn't fix any of the issues. He, he was brought in to fix the issues that Ben McAdoo brought on to this team. To fix the offensive issues because the offense was bad for either of the two seasons that Ben McAdoo was head coach. There were a lot of issues, a lot of problems, a lot of downsides to that offense. Pat Schirmer was hired to fix them and couldn't get the job done. It's a results-driven business. And he didn't produce great results, so that's why he's out after two years. So why didn't they, if it's a, if it's a you ask me, if it's a results-driven business, why does Shermer get reprimanded for his results, but not Gettleman? Gettleman has been with the team now two full seasons. Why isn't he getting reprimanded? Well... To be honest, I don't know. Okay? Like, I don't understand why... Actually, I do kind of understand why. They don't want a clean house. The Maras, the Tishes, they don't want a clean house. They're too proud. They need to stay consistent. Too proud of an organization. They shouldn't clean house. Give guys extra years. You get rid of everybody, it's not the Giants' way. As if the Giants' way has led to any sort of... Winning any sort of wins in, at any point in the last three years. 12 wins in three years. And you're talking about the Giants way? The Giants way has brought this team to irrelevance. It's brought on putrid losing. The Giants way has done, the quote-unquote Giants way has done nothing for this organization. In the last trio of seasons. So I don't know why they still try to follow the Giants way. The Giants way needs to stop. For one, they should have fired Pat Schirmer weeks ago to get a head start on the coaching search. Now, the Redskins are about to hire Ron Rivera, who's one of the larger names in the pool of head coaches. and the pool of head coaching candidates. 
But no, they couldn't get a head. St- they couldn't get a, s- a head start on. Co- or they couldn't even start searching for coaches until this past Monday, because they had to wait a month to fire Shermer. Why? I don't know. They should have fired him in November, maybe October. Definitely November. They should have fired him. So, but the fact that they didn't is because that wouldn't be the Giants' way. The reason they didn't is because it it wouldn't be the Giants' way. But since they didn't fire him, now they weren't able to hire Ron Rivera because the Redskins had already basically locked him up when the day that Pat Shermer was fired. Not that I would have wanted Ron Rivera, but that's not the point. The point is, if they were going to fire Shermer anyway, they should have did it in November. They should have did it a month and a half ago so they can get a head start on searching for new coaches. Now they've lost a large candidate like Ron Rivera. So that's that's number one. They should have they should have fired Shermer weeks ago. Number two, which is why the Giants way needs to stop. Number two, you're gonna give this man. This much money to spend in free agency with the moves this guy has made over the last couple of seasons, signing you know 35 year old safety Antoine Bethay, signing Golden Tate to replace Odell Beckham, the moves he's made on the offensive line that's led to just four fewer sacks allowed in the than the previous year, the Leonard Williams trade. The Odell Beckham trade. It's crazy. John Mara says the Giants are more into analytics than ever before. So did analytics tell Dave Gettleman that they should give up future picks for Leonard Williams, who's done next to nothing and whose contract is expiring? They lost a third-round pick and a fifth-round pick for Leonard Williams. If they don't re-sign him, he was a rental and a waste. If they do re-sign him, they actually lose a fourth-round pick instead of a fifth-round pick. And... That would take up a ton of money on the cap room because he wants he, he wants a big payday next year, heading into next year. Dave Gettleman is going to lead the charge, really, with the moves he's made, with the free agent signings he's made. Don't get me wrong, the draft picks are good. I like some of the draft picks. I think he did a good job with Ryan Connolly I think he, before he got hurt. I think he did a good job, obviously, with Darius Slayton. Daniel Jones, I like. I'm excited for for the future. Saquon Barkley is a move that had to be is a pick that had to be made. So, Will Hernandez is good. So, he's he's made some good moves in the draft, but the draft is only a part of it. Free agency is a large part of it. The trade market is a large part of it, and he's shown in both the free agency and trade markets that he. He's capable of making a very, very just awful move. Like it, it, it's like it's like they just kind of he just kind of goes with it. It doesn't even seem like he sort of gives any of these moves any sort of thought. He kind of just says, "Oh, that seems like a good move on the surface. Let's do it." Doesn't even give it any thought. Doesn't even consider the future of the organization. Just kind of goes and does it. That's how I felt with the Leonard Williams trade. That's how I felt with giving Golden Tate $37.5 million. 
That's how I felt with him signing Antoine Ruffet, who's made Pro Bowls in the past, but is now old and washed up. I'm, as a writer and a podcaster, it's one thing. But as a fan, I'm scared for this, the moves this guy makes this offseason. I'm terrified that he's going to bury the organization into a deeper and more embarrassing hole than they're in right now, which is saying a lot. Some of the moves just seem so, like, they're not thought out at all. They're just, oh, that seems like a cool move. Leonard Williams made a Pro Bowl four years ago. Let's do it. That's just what it seems like. And I'm not, I'm, I, I, I'm scared for this, this guy to get, what, $80 million in free agency, to spend in free agency this offseason. I'm, I'm not looking forward to the moves. I'm really not. I mean, and who's to say he's done a good, no Pro Bowlers this past year. One of only two teams to produce zero Pro Bowlers this year. And the other one is the Miami Dolphins, who were, who traded away like all their players so they could tank. They traded away all their players to tank, and they're not making any, they don't have any Pro Bowlers. That makes sense. And the Giants are in the same category as that. And they weren't trying to tank. They weren't trading away all their players. So they have no Pro Bowlers. And then you bring this guy back and let him spend $80 million in free agency. But as Dave Gettleman says, the culture is good. The locker room culture is good. Who cares about the culture at this point? Win some games, please. Nobody cares about the culture if you're bringing guys in, if you're making all these moves, giving up future picks, bringing in all these guys on in free agency that are washed up and old and aren't going to really produce much to the team. No pro bowlers, but I'm glad the culture is good. That's 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 the big, that's the key thing. As long as the culture is good, everyone's happy. Yeah, we're all really happy right now, Dave Gettleman. We're all real happy. 12 wins in the last 3 years. We're ecstatic. Yeah, that's exactly what we are. But nonetheless, he's back. He'll be he'll be the Giants' general manager moving forward. Um, but this is a do or die year. They got to produce results. If they don't, then if it's much of the same, if it's much of the same for 2020 as it was for 2019 and 2018 and 2017, then Gettleman's out. That's my guess. I mean, who knows what John Mara is going to do. But if I believe that if they don't produce results this year, if they don't produce great results this year, then I think Gettleman is done. But as far as the new coach, as far as the coaching staff is concerned, they want to, they said clean house. They wanted to start fresh with coaches. So I think, so the whole coaching staff is gone. They're not going to retain uh, I don't think they're going to retain Mike Shula. I don't think they're going to... They definitely aren't going to retain James Betcher. Um, I mean, that's just, that's just what they said. They said they want a clean slate as far as the coaching staff. So that's just what they said this week. Um, so maybe they end up retaining some people. 
Uh, maybe the special teams coach, uh, McGaughy. Uh, he was the special teams is all is was uh you know the better one of the better aspects, better departments of this team this year. So maybe he stays. Um, but you know that's just what they said they want a clean slate. But maybe they end up bringing guys back. Who knows? You know who knows what they're really doing. Who knows what they're doing inside the building really at this point. Um, but some coaching candidates that the Giants are targeting, um, I'll get into more of this next week. We'll have an episode about that next week. Um, but some of the, tar- some of the guys are targeting, um, obviously Josh McDaniels, the Patriots offensive coordinator. I don't want him. I don't want anyone in that system. Um, my belief is that it's very easy to succeed and look good in a system run by the greatest head coach in the NFL's history and the greatest quarterback of all time as well. Um, so I wouldn't want Josh McDaniels. I mean, everyone thought they hit the, that the Lions hit the nail on the head with, everyone thought the Lions hit the jackpot with hiring Matt Patricia. And that's obviously, that obviously hasn't worked out up to this point. So I don't want anyone within the Patriots system. Um, they're also interviewing their special teams coach, uh, the Patriots special teams coach, Joe Judge. So I don't want either of them. I don't want Joe Judge. I don't want Josh McDaniels. No. And then they're also interviewing Eric Bieniemy, uh, the Chiefs, off- Chiefs offensive coordinator. Um, obviously, Matt Rule, who's the Baylor head coach, just lost last night in the, uh, the Sugar Bowl. Um yeah, I mean they have a couple. They have a couple names already that they're set to interview. It's gonna be tough. I would like to hire Matt Rule. Um, oh, also the um, the Ravens defensive coordinator they're hiring. I wish they're, I wanted them to, the or they're interviewing. Excuse me. I I wanted them to interview the Ravens offensive coordinator um, Greco with the job he's done with Lamar Jackson this year and that is just one of the most creative and basically unstoppable offenses offenses in the entire league this past year. I wanted them to interview Greco. John Greco, I believe his name is, yeah. The Giants are interviewing Don Martindale, their defensive coordinator, Baltimore's defensive coordinator. Um, to be honest, I would have gone the other way. Greg, sorry. John, what am I? John Greg, Greg Roman, that's his name. I don't know why I got those two mixed up. That's my fault. Greg Roman. Um, John Greco was, wasn't he? A, he was a Giants guy. Pretty sure John, John, yeah, he was a guard on the Giants. One of the lost causes for the Giants. Um, John Greco, yeah. I mean, I wanted them to interview Greg Roman. I don't know why I say Greco. That's stupid of me. Anyway, I, um, but. I don't know if they will. I know they're hire, they're interviewing the defensive coordinator, so that's another candidate. Uh, there should be more candidates as the as the days go on, as the days progress, um, and it'll be interesting to see how these coordinators and their teams do in the playoffs too. I mean, the enemy is in the playoffs. Um, the enemy and the Chiefs are in the playoffs. So the number two seed in the AFC, obviously, Martindale and the Ravens are the number one seed in the AFC. So both those teams have first-round buys. Uh, McDaniels has a game this weekend. The Patriots uh, take on the Titans in the wild-card round. 
Um, it's weird to see the Patriots in the wild card around, but that's how it went this year. Uh, that's what happens when you lose to Miami week 17, which was crazy to me. I don't know how that happened. Um, but yeah, as time goes on, as the days go on this next week or so, there should be more candidates coming to light uh, and more candidates inter- interviewing for the job. It seems Matt Rule wants this job. Um, it says, apparently it's his dream job. He, um, he turned down the Browns interview, but you don't know if he'll end up taking that. You don't know if he just turned it down just to stop the whole, uh, distraction of, for their, you know, their bowl game that happened on Wednesday night. So maybe he'll end up taking the Browns interview. Maybe he won't. I don't know. But reportedly Matt Rule says the Giants are his, the Giants head coaching job is his dream job. He worked for the Giants previously. He was the assistant offensive line coach in 2012. Um, he's young, he's creative, creative offensive guy. Uh, that seems to be the trend in NFL coaches nowadays, is a young, uh, offensive-minded head coach. Um, and that's what Matt Rule is. He's done a great job at Baylor. I mean, they were, what, 1-11 his first season in 2017. And now they're, they were 11-1 in the regular season this past year. Uh, lost to... Oklahoma in the Big 12, Big 12 championship and then lost to Georgia in the Sugar Bowl. So he's done a great job turning that program around. Um, yeah, maybe he'll be, maybe he'll be the, the Giants' next head coach. Um, that decision obviously won't be made until probably later on this month. I believe Shermer was hired late January so or even middle mid-January. So it could be done in the next couple weeks. But... It'll be so. It'll be, it'll be interesting. It'll be intriguing to see the decision they make. Um, I really hope they don't make the same mistake that they made with Shermer two years ago. Um, but then again, Dave Gettleman's going to have a say in who gets who is hired. So, <sighs> good luck, Giants. Um, but all right, that's all we have for today. Uh, thanks for tuning in. Again, I am your host Ryan Honey of Elite Sports New York and Elite Sports Radio Network. Um, Follow me on Twitter at Ryan Honey E S N Y. That's at Ryan Honey E S N Y. And I'll talk to you guys next week.